Welcome to Split, the After Ever After podcast co-hosted by family law mediator Jennifer Sanders and certified divorce coach Ashley Wood. This podcast features other divorce professionals, Q&A, tips, and updated info on all things separation, divorce, conflict resolution, and co-parenting. Whether you're newly separated or divorced, listen now for tips and advice on how to build a foundation for a more peaceful future. Hello and welcome to Split, the After Ever After podcast. I'm Jennifer Sanders. I'm an accredited family law mediator and I am with Ashley Wood, a certified divorce coach. Hello. Hello. So we have been very excited about this episode. Oh, yes. Over the moon, (laughs) I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bill Eddies, who we're talking about today, and he is, he's the guy uh, in the alternative dispute resolution world, mediation world, um, conflict resolution. He's the one Mm -hmm. uh, that you want to talk to. I think certainly safe to say the best known author, speaker on the topic. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, we've been, had this plan for a while. I got my hands on all of the information that he put out when I first started getting into mediation. Um, he makes his material very accessible to people. Really so yeah. um, I think that makes him stand out. And I think why he has been so successful is it's not sort of from this high level academic theory. Mm-hmm. And there's no fluff. Yes. You know, he just he yeah. gets right to the point. It's they're tools that are easy to implement. Um, you don't need to go to therapy for a year to figure out how to use them with your co-parent or whoever you're speaking with. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And then the examples that he gives too are dead on like things that you will yeah. when you're listening, you'll be like, yeah, I've I've been there or something similar. Yeah, you'll hear him. He talks about one in the in the episode and we're both like, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what happens with clients. So, yeah, so the book that we're talking about today uh, is about ear statements. So calling calming upset people with ear statements and ear is an acronym, E-A-R. So he's going to explain what that is. And he's written over 16 books. I think his more popular ones. Um, so we have the one today, five types of people who can ruin your life. Um, it's all your fault, 12 tips for managing people. And he also has coined this term BIF, which we've referred to many times in the podcast, uh, brief, informative, friendly, firm statements. Mm-hmm. And so I see BIF all over you know, TikTok videos yeah. and, and things like that. So he, he coined that phrase as well. So we're thrilled to talk to him today about this new book. He reads excerpts from the book and gives us, yeah, some of those famous examples that he's known for. Welcome, Mr. Bill Eddy, to the podcast today. We are so happy and excited to have you here. Thanks so much, Jennifer and Ashley. I'm glad to be on. Thank you. Where are you joining us from today? San Diego, California. Okay, great to have you. The opposite corner of the continent, almost. Yeah, almost. (laughs) Yeah, certainly different different climate than us right now, probably. (laughs) It's a little warmer. So we're really happy today to be talking to you about your new book, uh, Calming Upset People with Ear Statements. We have our little 
copy of it right here. Excellent. So, and of course with EAR, for people that are just listening, we're talking about an acronym, E-A-R. So can you just start with that and explain to our listeners, what is an EAR statement? Yeah, so E-A-R stands for empathy, attention, and respect. And an EAR statement usually includes, could be just one or two sentences that demonstrates at least one of those uh, ways of communicating. So empathy, for example, could be, um, I can see your frustration. I understand how hard this is. Um, I know this isn't the way you wanted things to be going. So it shows empathy, like we're, we're equals caring about each other. Or attention is, I want to understand, tell me more or um, I'll listen, let's take some time here, I'll work with you on this, explain what's going on. And then respect is, I respect your efforts, your commitment, um, congratulations on your job promotion, um, I respect your relationship with our daughter, those types of things. So that there's the feeling that we're in this together, it's a sense of us against a problem not me against you. So that's the key of an ear statement. And about 90% of the time, it calms people enough to work on problem solving instead of just getting into an argument. Okay, and how did you develop this, using this acronym and realizing that this was the process that could be so helpful? Well, as I explained at the beginning of the book, uh, I was giving a mediation and I think it was 2004 uh, with a couple that was very angry with each other. And the husband, uh, we usually have two or three sessions for divorce mediation. And the second session, the husband came in, spread out some spreadsheets and pointed his finger, you know, about six or eight inches from my nose. And he says, today, Mr. Eddie, you're going to tell her that I'm going to prevail on this issue. So step up to the plate and do your job. Well, that's not my job as a mediator. Yeah. Um, and so I was thinking I need to calm him down, um, but not, not necessarily agree with him. So what I said is, I can see how important this is to you. And don't worry, we'll take as much time to understand your concerns. And I have a lot of respect for your preparation. And afterwards, I realized that's E-A-R, that's ear. And then I was giving a seminar and talking about how important empathy is and this and that. And, and a woman came up to me at lunchtime and says, so that, that ear technique, that's so helpful. I'm going to take that. And I was like, ear technique? I said, yeah, where you give them a, you know, those three parts of the statement. And I was thinking, you know, I could teach this as a technique. And so ever since then, that's 15 or more years, I've been teaching it to professionals, but generally not the general public or say parents going through a divorce because I didn't want them to feel responsible for calming the other person's emotions. But especially with COVID, we realized many people are kind of stuck with someone they need to calm down. And so we wanted to get the word out and um, tell everybody because anybody can do this, even kids in high school and college. Um, we, we just hope, you know, everybody, the more people that do ear statements, the calmer the world will be. 
Mm -hmm. That's so interesting that you mentioned COVID because, yeah, I think we're all seeing that working in, you know, the family law space and conflict resolution space that just being in the same space with each other and uh, without distraction has definitely caused a lot of conflict. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And what's interesting and and difficult, um, early in COVID, I was approached to write an article for a magazine or an online thing. Um, about people potentially in domestic violence situations calming down their partner. And I said, I don't usually teach that. I teach getting away from the partner. And I said, Bill, we can't do that with COVID. So what about the people that feel trapped but want to do something? And so I gave them the ear statement method. And, you know, sometimes it calms people, sometimes it doesn't, but it's, it's better than nothing, I suppose. Kind of in that case, yeah, necessarily like a survival technique, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what's interesting is also during COVID, I worked with High Conflict Institute on a series of six one hour videos about domestic violence. And there's just so much useful information. We're launching those um, next week. So we're not saying you should calm a domestic partner, domestic violence partner. Um, you should try to get away, but if you're stuck in that situation, your statements may be able to help some. Well, and, and the reality is with domestic violence, sometimes people, they aren't ready to go or they don't have the resources or, you yeah. know, there's other complications, unfortunately. Exactly. Yeah. But this can help. We have examples in the book of uh, soccer where parents are arguing over whose community soccer will be signed up for. Um, We have examples of COVID. We have two people coming down the aisle, one with a mask, one without in a grocery store and (laughs) arguing over you should be wearing a mask. No. And and you shouldn't make your child wear one. You should take that off your child. And and I just want a box of cereal and they can turn the conversation around. And what I like to show is either person in a conversation can turn it around with an ear statement in the middle, early, whenever an ear statement totally takes the negative and can make it turn into the positive. Can you talk a little bit more about you do talk about in the book that that empathy piece that e piece because I feel like in mediations that's where sometimes people struggle they feel like by showing any sort of empathy. um, They're showing weakness on their part or they're condoning the behavior of the other person. yeah and and generally that's that's a mistaken impression, because I like to say that empathy attention and respect are all free that you don't give up anything and they don't cost you anything. So you can go ahead and say that to somebody. And it doesn't mean you're agreeing. Um, It doesn't mean you're gonna do anything. It means you're connecting as human beings who want to solve a problem. And the way our brains work, it really calms the brain to get empathy, attention and respect so that we can shift over to problem solving away from defending and, you know, um, staying stuck. So in, in mediations, what's interesting, because I, I developed a whole method for high conflict mediations, which doesn't try to get them to give each other empathy, attention, respect, that I do that as the mediator. Yeah. So they're arguing with each other and say, hang on, look at me, look at me, look at me. You know, I understand this is a really hard time for both of you. 
And ma'am, I, I can really see why XYZ is so difficult for you. And sir, I see why, well, actually I use their first names. Yes, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, oh, I can see how, how um, important ABC is to you. I can see that right now. And I have a lot of empathy for both of you. But I understand right now, you probably can't give this to each other. So I encourage you to get empathy, attention, and respect from friends, family, colleagues, etc. Um, and then someday, hopefully, you'll be able to give this to each other. But right now, I'm, I'm the guy that can give this to you because I see the pain you're both in. And let's see where we can go from now. So think of another proposal to help move us forward. And that's so the whole thing with, with high conflict mediation is it may not be a time when people can really do that. What's magical, though, is when in a mediation, someone can say that and mm -hmm. say, you know, you know, Joe, I can I, I, I recognize how important being a soccer coach is to you. And so let's look at the schedules and then make a decision. But I do want you to know I really respect that about you. And that can turn things around. Yeah, absolutely. I know we're very much on the same page in the work that we do with our clients and really emphasizing um, the support that we give people to have a clear idea of how they want to look back on this whole process and yeah. to be able to look back on how they participated in mediation, how they acted as a parent and as a co-parent with a sense of pride and dignity. Because, mm -hmm. um, I mean, obviously there are people with high conflict personalities, but there's most of the time just good people acting very uh, reactively and just being very highly emotional. And they, they yeah. tend to regret the things that they say or the things that they choose not to say during this, what can be a very volatile time. Right, right. And we say you don't have to figure out if somebody has a high conflict personality or a personality disorder or anything to give them a near statement, because we all, like you said, uh, can use that. And one of the things I like to tell people in mediation is it's so great you're here letting me be your mediator so that your kids aren't trying to be your mediators. Yeah. Um, because often parents that don't go to mediation send messages through their kids and, and tell their kids how awful the other parent is. Even if it's a momentary thing, it may stick in the child's brain and, and they really don't want that. It's just, just kind of came out, you know. But mediation is a much better place for uh, managing these conflicts. Right. I know I find it a challenge when I have consultation calls and people are trying to figure out, should they use a lawyer? Should they start mediation? Not to just say, of course, you should get into mediation. <laughs> right. when they're, they're already fighting and, you know, wondering how they're going to resolve it. And... I can say that as a coach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, it's really um, and, and these are tools that a mediator can use much more easily. I'd say in a two hour mediation, I may give, you know, a dozen ear statements. Right. Um, and people usually, oh, good, I don't have to, you know, defend myself against what was just said. And so people feel relieved. I, I remember one couple I had, it was actually uh, an older couple, I think 
the husband was a retired doctor and he was 73 and the wife was 69. And at the end of the mediation, they said, we resolved everything. And they said, we just both want to thank you for stopping us when we started acting like three-year-olds. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they, they had a lot of insight about that, but sometimes just couldn't stop themselves. And, and so I did, and they felt good about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do often get people afterwards or they'll send me an email or something, you know, sort of apologizing um, for their behavior. And yeah, which sometimes isn't over the top in my estimation, but, you know, it's out of character for them. So they feel right. like, OK, you know, that wasn't me. Yeah. And that's a good way to put it. It's out of character for them. People do feel embarrassed. And your statements are one way to just help them get back on track without finger wagging and saying, now cut that out, or you shouldn't right. be saying that. It's just, wow, I can see how frustrating this is. Now let's look at the next task. And that way you kind of save them from themselves. Right. Mm. That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Do you have any tips for um, for what to do when you deliver the ear statement? And I, I understand from reading the book that sometimes it takes a few, like depending on how upset the other person is, you may need to deliver a few of these back to back. How can a person keep themselves from becoming defensive and engaging in that conflict? Well, a big part of it, I think, is giving yourself your statements. And I think of this like before a mediation that I know is going to be difficult, I'll go in and I'll, I'll, I'll tell myself, now remember, Bill, it's not about you. It's about their issues, their conflicts, and maybe their lack of skills at communicating, uh, especially during this hard time. Um, also, I'm not responsible for their outcome. I'm responsible to assist them, share my knowledge, skills, etc but the outcome is really going to be up to them. And so I don't need to be stressed, anxious, or defensive. Um, and uh, other things like the, often the issue is not the issue. Um, it may be their defensiveness or, or a personality characteristic. Say one of them's narcissistic. That comes up a lot these days. Yeah. Um, and so you're you're finding something you can respect about them to calm them down without taking it personally. They may turn on you and say, I remember one guy who I think was narcissistic and his wife was pretty quiet and he was very verbal. And he came in second or third mediation session and said, Bill, I don't think this is going to work out. I think you've taken her side. Yeah. And so what what I did, and because I already had the sense he's, he's more self-absorbed, is I didn't get defensive about it. I said, oh, well, I really value being balanced, neutral, etc. So can you tell me what, what I did that, that made, made you feel that way? And he said, well, you're always telling me to stop talking and you're always trying to get her to talk more. And I remembered, oh, that's right, because they're way out of balance with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but but I, I didn't say, oh, well, that's because you need to be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> what I said was, well, tell you what, if you feel this imbalance happening during the session, let me know right away and I'll, I'll see what I can do, because that's not my intent to be unbalanced. 
Well, anyway, he never said that during the mediation at the end. He said, Bill, this was the most balanced and neutral mediation session yet. And I don't think I did anything different. But I respected his concern. And that's really what appealed to him. So, yes, so giving several ear statements sometimes is necessary. Um, but giving yourself ear statements helps you not get defensive. Because I've done this enough, I could see this is his issue, not my issue. But I always want to be sensitive to that, see if there's something I can do. So that's... That's how that worked in that case. I love that using mm -hmm. for yourself because, yeah, as I know that sort of, you know, rule as a mediator, but I do struggle with getting tied up in that outcome. You get to know the people and you want to see them, you know, be able to resolve it um, yeah. and not to take that personal responsibility and put that boundary is is difficult sometimes. Yeah, what I like to say is once I learned this and other techniques, I slept better because I used to worry. I've got a mediation today. It's a difficult one. How can I make them have a certain outcome? Yeah. Realizing I can't make them have a certain outcome. So I focus on the process and let them focus on the outcome. So I help them. I give them information, ear statements, um, uh, calculate numbers, all these things. But realizing it's not my burden that they reach any particular outcome. And frankly, it's easier for them because I don't feel like I'm pushing them in one direction. Yep, yep. Yeah, I found when I started out doing mediating, I think I was too, I was taking on that outcome too much. And then people, for lack of a better term, then they were a bit more lazy in the sessions, right? It was sort of like, while we're fighting, what are you gonna do about it? <laughs> so, <laughs> right. you know, well, like. Well, that brings up a, a mediation tip, which is, don't work harder than your clients. Yeah, 100%. Because when you're working harder than your clients, they're often just staying stuck and you're spinning your wheels. So what I find is engaging them more in the solutions gets pulls out the more problem-solving part of their brains and they actually get to be feel responsible for more of their success. Yeah. So, uh, it's a tricky balance. It's yeah, no, I, I love that. I think I have that statement on a on a thing about my yeah, computer, because I think it's one you have to constantly, you know, remind yourself of because you, you get to know people and you just want the best for them. But I've noticed a huge difference. Yeah, in mediation, because I think then they're not necessarily their best selves. They almost they're they show up sort of like or they used to when I was first, starting yeah. out, you know, they're in a bad mood. They're just going to get it out and the mediator will fix it. And yeah. Uh, yeah, that's not the way. <laughs> and that really brings up something is teaching clients to give themselves an encouraging statement. Mm. Um, during, I remember I had a case where there was a former wife uh, had gotten a job promotion and an increase in income. So child support and spousal support needed to be changed. The husband, and, they, and she was up for having a meeting to talk it through. The husband said, that's fine, but I want to bring my new wife with me. So the, the former wife, the single, was single. And so she said, you know, I'm going to be uncomfortable with the two of them, but I think it's okay and important because I know she has opinions on how their family spends their money. Can you give me like some tips or things I can uh, tell myself to get through this? So I helped her come up with 
a silent, encouraging statement that she could give, kind of an ear statement for herself. And afterwards, she said that really helped, that she really kind of got through this difficult discussion, reminding herself, um, I don't even remember what her ear statement was, yeah. but something like, all that matters is the final decision. I think maybe oh, yeah. something like that. So, you know, we can give ourselves ear statements, we can help our clients give themselves ear statements, and we can give people that are upset with each other ear statements. So it's, it's really simple, um, and we try to make our techniques simple. Um, so that's, that's the idea. You, can, you don't have to do empathy, attention, and respect all of them. You can just do one. Mm -hmm. uh, I can see how hard this is for you, you know, tell me more. And then people relax because they feel like you're really listening. Yeah. And can you talk to us? You have what I've always loved about all of your books is you have so many practical examples, scripts for people to say um, the five types of people who can ruin your life. I love those all of those outright scripts that people can say and things that they can try. Um, and you have lots of examples in this book. Can you maybe speak to us about one or sometimes when you've seen a really dramatic turnaround? using these ear statements? Um, well, a lot of these I give short conversations, um, but I've seen many times, uh, I'm trying to think, well, in the case I started out with, yeah. with the guy pointing at my nose, um, he, he, re he leaned back and relaxed, his body language really relaxed, and then we got into problem solving. Keep in mind, these were two managers in a large organization, so they were used to having meetings. And I guess this guy was used to bossing people around, mm -hmm. uh, which may be part of why his wife was, was finished uh, with the marriage. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, um, I'm trying to think. Uh, well, actually, one of the best examples in the book is a real case. It wasn't my case, but I read about this. And this was a case where a woman, uh, a young woman, young mother, I think she had a six-year-old daughter, was moving into a new apartment outside of Atlanta. And a man had been in court and had somehow grabbed the bailiff's gun and, and shot and killed uh, three people at court and escaped. So he's on the loose. And he ends up where this young woman is. It's about after dark, like eight or nine at night. And she kind of vaguely had heard on the news there was an escaped uh, killer. And this guy, like, grabs her, holds the gun to her head and said, let's, you know, go into your apartment because she'd been carrying stuff in from her car. And so they spent about the next eight hours with her, I think, giving him ear statements. And if you read her biography, and I mention it in the book, that she really described like picturing him as like a six-year-old boy in trouble and confused. And so she would give him reassuring statements. She would um, respect the difficulty. And she'd actually been in jail once overnight for drunk driving. And so she gave him some empathy. It's like, you know, I know that's not a nice place or that you really want to be um, if you don't have to be. So she, she connected with him, gave him attention, um, all of this, and he stayed calm. 
And I give this example to people when they say, why should I be nice to somebody who's being rotten and rude to me? And I say, this is an example of where it may have saved her life to be nice to that person. And she was. And so she gave him empathy, she gave him attention, she gave him respect. And by the morning, she talked him into turning himself in. Wow. And she, um, he said, just let me stay, you know, and he, her daughter was staying somewhere else. She needed to meet her daughter at 9 a.m. And, and he said, okay, you're, you're, you're free to go. Just, you know, let me stay here for a little while. So, so she leaves and gets in her car and drives around the corner and calls the police. And the police come and the guy comes out peacefully. Wow. So it really, it's just a very dramatic, real example of giving um, air statements, I think. Now, they connected in many ways. They connected around uh, religion. They interpreted a book that uh, uh, the, the, the Purpose Driven Life. Apparently, they yeah. both looked at that. He saw that on her table. And they talked about what, what's your purpose? And she told him that she thought his purpose, she, he said, what do you think my purpose is? And she said, I think your purpose is to minister to people in prison and talk about your life and how people can help themselves. So, so they made connections around religion, and that's a, an important part of her story. But to me, key phrases were empathy, attention, and respect statements that I think kept him calm. And so that's a dramatic. That's not one of my divorce cases. Right. Me. Yeah, that's dramatic. <laughs> Why do you think that these um, types of statements, it is so simple, but do elicit such dramatic responses, dramatic turns around? I've, I've seen it as well in mediations. Do you think it's because we just don't typically communicate that way? It's almost it takes people aback to be validated that way? Well, I think yeah, I, two things. One is, and I, I, the first chapter is about how emotions are contagious. And I think different parts of our brain, to me, it's a lot more like left brain is problem solving, right brain's more defensive and protects us. And each one dominates depending on the situation you're in. So you can take a, an upsetting situation and turn it into a positive. You know, you get this negative energy, like you're an idiot, Bill, your methods will never work and turn around and say, you know, I can I can empathize with that. I used to think they wouldn't work, too. And then they did. I was really pleasantly surprised. So that's turning a negative into a positive. Um, but I also think today's world, there's so much negativity. We're bombarded with bad news. Um, I, I think of today's news programs as bad news programs. <laughs> you, you hear about like the absolute worst things in the entire world get condensed and, and fed to us um, each day. And so I think we're used to hearing disrespectful statements. Um, we're used to challenges, you know, it's all your fault and you're an idiot and those kinds of things. And so we're, I think on, on the whole, the world is more defensive today. Mm -hmm. And that in families, it's easy to trigger that with each other. So the more people learn this kind of technique, you can catch yourself and go, oh, 
I can really see what you're saying. I hear your frustration. I respect your efforts. And with practice, it gets easier and easier. And really, I think even when people are stressed, I think they can switch to an ear statement and that helps both of them calm down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think, and just that listening, like even sometimes in mediation, just even saying to someone directly, you know, they'd be complaining about something and just say, tell me about it. And it even was, that yeah. <laughs> takes them aback sometimes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Cause they don't feel like you're attacking them. They feel like you're listening to them. Mm -hmm. And people really need that and are missing that, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and that's so that's one of the, the sad things about COVID. It isn't just the, the bad things, but the absence of just routine, friendly conversations. Um, you know, if you're in an office and you walk down the tall, hey, hey, Mary, how's it going? You know, good, good to see you. How was your weekend? You add up like a dozen conversations like that a day it makes you more resilient. Um, but if you, you don't have those and you're, you're walking around the house and the kids are screaming and somebody's criticizing you and the TV's on giving you the worst news of the world, it, it throws us into that defensive mode. And so that's where giving each other empathy, attention and respect can help kind of correct that a little bit. There's, there's an interesting thing. You, you may know this. I don't know. The marriage researchers, John and Julia Gottman, they yeah. study marriage uh, conflicts, etc. And they said in a healthy marriage, there's still criticisms of each other, but there's a five to one ratio of positive statements to negative statements. And, and that's keeps a healthy relationship together. And I think that's very accurate. Um, and they said there's couples that bicker a lot, but they really have a lot of positives. And there's couples that rarely argue, but they may be fairly quiet and they're not, you know, uh, talking a whole lot of the time. And he said it's this five to one ratio, depending on whether they're argumentative, friendly, quiet, it just seems to be throughout healthy relationships. Well, that's what the world needs, I think. Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, when I watch TV news, that they have a five to one ratio of negative to positive. There's the human interest story at the end. And I'm thinking, I want five of those and one of the bad news stories. <laughs> it, it just gives you more energy. So true. Yeah, for sure. And I think in, um, in our space, particularly with co-parents, the last piece calling attention to like respect and respecting the other person, bringing up some positive, like you said, not only are you making the other person feel better, but by verbalizing that, I know in my own co-parenting situation and in the clients that I work with, the more you call attention to those, even just little small nuggets of positivity, mm -hmm. you begin to see this person through, like in a new light, in a positive light, just by talking about one small thing that you appreciated or, res or you, that you respect about the other person. Yeah, and and it really people love hearing that, mm -hmm. uh, and then they give back more positive energy. 
Mm -hmm. Do you want me, I can read you an example around soccer and where we should sign up the kids for soccer. Yeah, please yes. do. Yes. Because that's, you know, I've, I've been in court with Kay, the judge said, oh, this is the soccer case. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but let's have, um, let me read, and I give in the book, we have 28, 28 examples of negative conversation and what it can look like as a positive conversation. And they are exactly so, what we see with clients, yeah. like yeah, to a team. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so here's, so, so Andrea calls up Tyler and needs an immediate answer by Friday to sign up Joey, their son, for soccer in her neighborhood. So Andrea says, we have to get Joey registered and paid up before the end of the week when registration closes. I just found out, otherwise he'll miss out. I need your agreement right away and I'll need your half payment right away too. It's a total of $350, so yours is 175. Tyler, wait a minute, Andrea. Who says Joey's playing soccer in your neighborhood? I'm his father and I'm thinking of being a coach on the team in my neighborhood this year. Give me a day to find out when their registration deadline is. Andrea, look, Tyler, he's always played soccer in my neighborhood. He's known the other kids since before we separated, and he spends the majority of his time here. Tyler, yes, but I'm his dad. He's at an age when he needs more time with his father, and this is one way to do it without changing the schedule. Since games are usually on the weekend, we can each attend during the other parent's time. Andrea, I absolutely don't agree. If I have to, I'll go to court to get a court order for him to play in my neighborhood mm -hmm. like he always had. Tyler, don't you dare threaten me with court, Andrea. I'll ask for more custody time and I'll win because of that no good mic you're shacking up with. I'll get my support lower too. So that's the negative conversation. That's exactly how <laughs> yeah. it goes too. So yep. You bring in the new part. Yeah, the new partner always comes in. Yeah, we're yep. going to court. That's it. There's, we're going to court. Yeah, we'll let the there's judge. There's a saying that a saying that I have in, for mediation, and that is keep the conflict small. And when people right, are right. upset, they make it bigger and bigger. So it's big enough you can't resolve it. Yep, <laughs> spirals. So here's the alternative. So Andrea, we have to get Joey registered and paid up before the end of the week when registration closes. I don't mean to surprise you, but I just found out they moved up the registration deadline from last year. Otherwise, he'll miss out. I need your agreement right away and I'll need your half payment right away too. It's a total of 350, so yours is 175. Games are on the weekend, practices Tuesday and Thursday, so it shouldn't affect your time with him. I respect your relationship with him and wouldn't want this to interfere. Tyler, wait a minute, Andrea, who says Joey's playing soccer in your neighborhood? I'm his father and I'm thinking of being a coach on the team in my neighborhood this year. Give me a day to find out when our registration deadline is. Andrea, well, that catches me by surprise. I mean, I can see how that would be important to you for father-son bonding, but are you sure you want to take that on? You were saying how you've been swamped at work. Tell me more about what your picture is of how this was would work. Weren't you working late on Tuesdays and Thursdays? Tyler, I have more control over my time now so I can get off in time to be at his practices. Like I said, I need to look into it. But thanks for asking how I might make it work. 
Just give me a day. I understand the time pressure you're under. Andrea, okay, you can text me as soon as you know whether I should go ahead or if you want to discuss it further. I'm not saying I agree, but I'm open to discussing it. So in this case, Andrea shifted herself to giving ear statements. And at first, Tyler was still angry and stuck. And then she gave another ear statement. And then he gave an ear statement back. So it's an example of how just one person can tip the conversation. Now, if both people know this, they can start the conversation like she did this time with an ear statement. So it isn't just responding to hostility. You can initiate with empathy, attention, and respect. So it's just a, an example um, for soccer parents. <laughs> right. Well, what I love in that example, too, is that the statements are rather subtle. Right. I think that sometimes when we look at some of these role playing things, it seems like not realistic. Yeah. That it's this long, drawn out thing. But she just made a few very subtle changes that would very realistically fit into a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And an ear statement, I tell people, I teach this to judges, too, is it, it takes 30 seconds for an ear statement. And yeah. Usually not more than that. When I'm teaching at a live seminar, like mediators or lawyers, um, I, I have a practice exercise and I have in pairs, one person says horrible things to the other, like, you know, you're doing it all wrong, etc. And then the other person gives an ear statement, and they have 30 seconds to do that. And then I yell, stop, you know, everyone's in the room practicing. And within 30 seconds, I say, did anybody feel better because of what your professional said? And hands go up and say, yeah, what made you feel better? I don't remember the words, but I felt like he was really listening. Yeah. Or I felt like she really cared about how my case turned out. And so it really, like you said, can be subtle and doesn't take a lot of words. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So do you have any of your favorite ear statements that you find yourself using just in your professional life or even your personal life? Um, go to well, I always, I like to say I keep a couple in my back pocket in yeah. case somebody <laughs> catches me by surprise. Um, so the first one is, wow, you're really upset. Tell me what's going on. Um, because I'm acknowledging that they're upset and I'm open to listening. Um, and I can understand how frustrating this situation is. Uh, a lot of times those two kind of really acknowledge people mm -hmm. and calm them down and feel like I'm engaged. And that's one thing I want to mention, and I mentioned in the book, is it isn't just reflective listening. Like, what I hear you saying is you're angry at me because of X, Y, Z. You want to add something to that. And I want to work with you on this so that there isn't the sense that you're just reflecting them at a distance. Right. Um, it's staying engaged. It's a way to stay engaged, but not get hooked into the defensive emotions. Good point. Yeah, you're, get, you're coming alongside them too. Yeah, not yeah, yeah it's us against us against the problem, yes. not me against you. And I've learned to do this on Zoom, you know? <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> 
yeah to illustrate for people yeah well people that are just listening i'm i'm linking my hands together yeah yeah and i'm pointing my thumb in the opposite direction we're working together against the problem that's over there not each other yeah get on the same side i've said for people before yeah uh, if you think of being at a restaurant right you're going to come over and sit in the booth with them yeah yeah look look at that problem together Thank you so much for your time today. Uh, when I was starting out as a mediator, I absolutely like got my hands on everything that you have done. So um, it was really, really exciting to be able to talk with you today. Same here. Great. Well, my pleasure. I'm really glad to, to talk with both of you and wish you all the best in your good work. Thank you so much. much. We will link our listeners to the High Conflict Institute. And you said you're still continuing to put new videos, new trainings on there, right? Yes. So like I said, this week, we're going to have these six one hour uh, videos giving background, really the big picture about domestic violence. And it's geared to family law professionals, but anybody can benefit from it if they want. Yeah, those videos, I've, I've done some of those small courses myself. They're certainly very accessible to, yeah, anyone going through that. And we will, of course, um, have some links to how people can get the book, Calming Upset People with Ear. Great. And they can get it anywhere. So Yes. Happy we, got, we got ours. Yeah. Right on Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much Thank today. You. Thank you. Thank Good you. luck with everything. Thank you. Yeah. Bye now. Bye. Bye.